Do you care about supporting small business? I do. Do you care about supporting women in business? Man, I really do. Do you care about excellent customer service? I think it's a dying art and I really, really support it. That's why I support Paco Collars. They hit all of these bases and then some. My dogs wear gorgeous handcrafted leather collars from them and I get to support a company that I really believe in. So if you believe in the same stuff I do, get over to PacoCollars.com, order the best dog collar you've ever had with a lifetime guarantee, and don't forget to enter the promo code COGDOG for free shipping. Hey there, dog people of the internet. It's me, Sarah Strumming of The Cognitive Canine, and this is Cog Dog Radio, a podcast about all things dog sports and dog training. Join me as I explore my cases and considerations regarding the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. I hope you enjoy it. guys, I'm here with Casey Coughlin of Inspiration Canine, assistant coach for the Cognitive Canine, and new staff member of the uh, Fenzy Dog Sports Academy Pet Professionals Program. Um, and we're here to talk about decompression walks with dogs that have high prey drive, high hunt drive, whatever you want to call the set of behaviors that means that they when they're off leash in the wilderness or in a field or whatever their primary objective is hunting essentially their primary objective is finding prey items whether it's small animals birds deer black bears (laughs) etc I get a lot of emails about this, a lot of emails asking how can we provide appropriate off-leash exercise to these dogs. Um, And actually, I had a recent email asking if it's even possible without an e-collar. So the person, you know, had been told, okay, Felix, Felix, go on. Felix wants to be a part of the podcast, but he's blocking... The microphone. All right. <laughs> um, so the recent email was basically saying, and is this even possible without an e-collar, meaning using that kind of control over the dog? Um, which, to be honest, a lot of people who participate in hunting with their dogs do use. Right. So I actually don't have any dogs with what I would call super intense um, drive to hunt. They're border collies, so if they did have a super intense drive to hunt, that would be kind of, you know, unusual for them. Um, But Casey does have one of these dogs, so I thought it'd be best to have her kind of weigh in because you do off-leash exercise him frequently. Yes, every day. Every day. So what, number one... What is different about off-leash exercise with this dog? Who's a mixed breed from the South? Brown dog. He's a mixed breed brown dog from the South. He's a God only knows mm-hmm. what he is. Mm-hmm. But I've heard his I found Corey scream. 
And I feel as though he's from some kind of hunting situation. And there are a lot of different types of hunting situations happening where he came from. So what's different about walking him and his name is Stark um, versus your Border Collies? Well, he's pretty great until he's gone. And (laughs) he also tends to travel a little bit just parallel to us and farther off the path at a greater distance constantly than the border collies um and he is pretty much always out there searching for something it just depends on what type of environment we're in what is on the plate for him so if we're in fields he's looking for rabbits and woodchucks and squirrels and things and if we're in the woods he's looking for deer pretty exclusively and deer is his his number one choice of prey item and he also has a history of um killing animals in my backyard so he has killed at least small animals two woodchucks yeah and a handful of younger juvenile rabbits just in the yard and yeah so he fits the category of like all these emails of uh dogs that just want to take off and take chase um and i think number one key ingredient is the gps collar like that's why you know he travels far away and parallel versus just not knowing where he is right so how i manage him is uh Number one, he has a great GPS tracker on him, and he before that he did have a whistle GPS tracker on him, just so that I would know approximately where he was. But since upgrading to the Garmin Astro, it's been a real kind of game changer as far as I can now see his patterns and see what he's actually doing when he is out in the woods, and then I can actually decide if I'm going to recall him or not, depending on what his patterns look like. Um, and you don't recall him if his patterns look like I found something. Right. Because he's not coming. Because that's really important. <laughs> yeah. And so I am really selective about where he goes off leash. I have pretty much a, like a once a year scare with him uh, as far as taking off and we're at a place that I don't really know that well and... I can now see on the Garmin, like, all the roads and surrounding areas, so that takes a lot of stress off because now I know when it's safe and not safe for him to be off-leash. Um, he also wears a really loud bell, and that was a huge game-changer for me because he was getting just so much reinforcement by getting to actually find deer. And now he scares them away with the bell and now before he finds them most of the time. He mostly scares them away with the bell before he gets to do his battle cry and really jam through the woods. And probably scares away all the other small animals too, the right. rabbits and stuff, yeah. Right. So that's been really helpful. Um, but he really, I feel, only safe with him at like two locations right now. Yeah, so I think I'm hearing GPS tracker, a must. Bear bell, a must. You can get those. Or five. Anywhere. 
Yeah, or several bells. They're actually the bells used by hunting field people. They're actually louder than just the regular jingling bell. The jingle bells. bell that's the bear bell you get at like, like REI. Yeah. Yes. It's a hunting dog bell. Yeah. So, um, and then you're careful about where you let him off leash because you know this is his pattern. He's going to go off hunting. He's not going to recall every time I call him. Right. He's going to go off hunting. I need a large, safe area for him to do this. Correct. So I need to know that he can run, you know, at least 600 yards in any one direction and not hit a street. Yep. And if I'm walking at a place, there are a couple of places that are smaller than that. And I just know as soon as I start heading, you know, like maybe three quarters of it is safe. And then the quarter near the parking lot is not safe. I just make sure that I do get him leashed in like a when he is off the hunt kind of behavior mm-hmm. before I get back to the parking lot, um, which my border collies are just walking to the end of the parking lot and then I'm leashing them, putting them in the car. So that is different. And um, But I think it's really important because, like we were talking about before, not many people would walk him off leash. Yeah, and I think that's probably what a lot of the listeners are saying to themselves right now is they're saying, okay, great, so what you're saying is, no, don't let this dog (laughs) off leash. And, but let's talk about what happens if you don't give him this opportunity. There's literally, I mean, I do a lot of enrichment and a lot of other things with them, and there is no other activity that he gets that kind of like scratches that itch that like meets that need um and he will if his, if this need isn't met in particular he will like start being really bullish on the border collies so he'll take that chase and he'll put it into into them into the puppy and into oni moving on the trail. he also runs away from home if you don't provide him (laughs) yeah our fence is broken yeah your fence is broken and he knows that yeah and he does not leave if he has had these kinds of walks right it's much like when you don't provide him with that outlet that's when he runs out of the yard to go fulfill himself Right. And that's when I'm going to say, you guys listening, that's why you feel like you can't trust these dogs off leash because this need is not even close to satiated for them. Totally. And he will go like weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks with no problems at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll be around and he'll be good boy Stark. Yeah. Um, but... Then, like, we have a situation that we, like, he basically, I lose him for real, like, once a year, typically. And the last time was when you were here last. That's true. A year ago, and then we lost, I lost him. we just lost him the other night. The other night, and he was actually caught up in some thickety things. He was stuck in something. It wasn't that he wasn't recalling he was stuck, and the reason you knew he was stuck was the GPS collar, and that's how you could find him, too. Yep. Which, so just again, this is turning into an advertisement for Garmin, which is not <laughs> meant to be because they don't give me any money. Um, but it's been a game changer for me feeling safe 
walking Felix off leash. Felix does not run away. But he also got stuck once, as you guys know. And had he been wearing the collar, that would have been far less nightmarish for me. Mm-hmm. Because I would have been able to find him right away and would have been able to get him back right away. Um, so now, I mean, I don't really have Felix off leash without it on. Yeah, I don't have Stark off. And with Stark, it's like a it's a rule. Like, the battery might die and you won't put it on. Maybe one of the border collies. Right. But if the battery's dead, Stark doesn't get to get out of the car or he doesn't get to get off leash. Yeah, and he is super punishing to walk on a long line. He would <laughs> like to rip your hand off before, you know, he would do that for anything. So it's really not an option to keep him on a long line. If I did, I'd have to put him on, like, a six-foot leash with, like, a no-pull item Mm -hmm. to just like manage him and i think that would just end up just aggravating him i think so i mean how do they train you know how do we train dogs to bite a sleeve harder in bitey sports we hold them back right right? how do we how do we train them to run forward into agility obstacles with more speed we we hold them back like we restrain them so restraining them from these things that they want so badly really only just increases their desire to get at it and their frustration behaviors I think and the one other thing that I use all the time is uh, a recall to a scatter Mm, I've seen that yeah and if he starts to like hone on to one of the other dogs I can recall him by telling him Stark scatter and then he'll come back and eat the scatter and then it will help him not have chasey feelings yeah so I think what dog. I'm hearing about that is um, that one treat to his mouth is not enough right of a reinforcer for him and that's going to be true for all of these dogs that want to chase things building up that reinforcement history and building up what i would call a reinforcement event which is i think what a scatter is right and then especially um when you do the scatter in grass it's basically like nature snuffle mat yes and who doesn't love a snuffle mat who doesn't um so yeah i've seen that be a more powerful cue for you with him yes so he will do that um the other thing is that i'm not worried about him if i was more worried about this piece of it i would be probably changing my game plan a little bit but i am not worried at all if he comes in contact with another human or a dog that he will approach them when he is off on a hunt. Yeah, he just would ignore them. He if passes, he's actually hunting, he doesn't care about anything else. Right, and even if they were on the trail, he is one of my best dogs for just ignoring. I mean, you use him as a neutral dog with reactive by. dog clients. But he's not even wanting to be friendly, so he's always the one that... Yeah, is truly neutral. With When we see a leash dog, he's like, oh yeah, don't go near that guy. <laughs> don't go over there no strings um (laughs) so i if it was were oni that was 500 yards away chasing something 
I would be having feelings of, well, what about if he runs into someone on the way back or dogs out there? Um, just because he's not as savvy as Stark. And those are more reinforcing events for him. So Stark is just chasing animals and then finding his way back to everybody. And as long as I'm calling in the right direction, he is always making his way back to me. He's not getting lost and then showing up at the car or anything like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, so another thing... There's a few things that I can just anticipate being criticisms. <laughs> Number one is that you're saying you don't have a solid recall on this dog. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what people were asking um, about. And I want to point out that that's actually not your goal. Your goal is for him to satiate yes. his needs, not for him to come back to you every single time you call. And that's why you pick safe areas. And that's why I call him after he's done doing his hunting. Mm -hmm. So that he can find me. And I don't try and call him off a deer. That's, I mean, I, I mean, may as well just save my breath. You may as well just <laughs> save your breath. The other criticism that's going to be a fair one is going to be from people that are concerned about the wildlife that he is chasing. Yep. Um... And I would like to, I'm going to put in my thoughts and then I want to hear your thoughts mm -hmm. on that. Um, the first thing is I, I, with my personal dog, so not talking about Stark, but talking about mine. I go to great lengths to not allow them to chase wildlife. It is not always possible because sometimes we get surprised. Um... And, but I think it's important that if we're going to share spaces with wildlife that we do find it important to allow them to peacefully inhabit where they live and not be harassed. Um, I also, so, I, you know, saying that, yeah, I, I go to great lengths to not allow them to chase wildlife. I also understand that sometimes they will because sometimes life happens and so it's a little bit like um you know people who have indoor outdoor cats if your cat is outside ever they will kill birds right they will kill mice they will kill whatever because they're much more of a natural predator than your dog is um and so if you're one of the people who is going to you know, have the criticism of what about the animals that he's harassing. I just want to make sure that you have also asked your neighbor whose cat is walking around down the street <laughs> if um, they care about the animals that their cat is not only harassing but killing. Right. He's only killed stuff in your backyard, right? Right. Like, because they couldn't actually get out. Yep. In time. Whereas he doesn't catch stuff when he's out there. Plus, he has the element of surprise in the backyard because he just, like, he goes out the them. back door and mm -hmm. then they're just happen they're just to be there. 20 feet from the door. And So, know that I do think it's important to not allow our animals to harass wildlife. I also think it's important to 
provide dogs with this really basic need that they have. And so I have to reconcile kind of my values because these are conflicting values. But I also have, you know, they're conflicting values for me as well with the uh, meat that my dogs have to eat as well. So there are like, you can have conflicting values that you reconcile to find kind of a common ground. When I started feeding my dogs raw, I was a vegan and I was (laughs) hardcore about it. And I remember like, you know, crying in the grocery store parking lot after buying a bunch of meat for my dogs one time because I knew what those animals had experienced. And I had to just decide that my first responsibility is to provide my dogs with the best possible care that I can because I've decided to be their caretaker on this earth. And so that's also how I reconcile the fact that my dogs will chase wildlife sometimes is that my first job is to take the best care of my dogs that I can. And if that means occasionally they're going to harass a deer, um, then that's what that means for me. And it also means that they're going to eat animals that were just the fact of the matter is that they were that all the meat that you buy in this country came from deplorable conditions. Right. And that's that's a fact of animal food product consumption in this country. Um, and in a perfect world, all of the meat that my animals and my entire household consumed would be from, you know, perfect situations. But the reality is that that's not a reality where we live. And so I, again, have to reconcile that. So what are your thoughts on the fact that Stark, when he's off leash, will harass wildlife? Well, that's really why I went back to the bell, because I'm trying to give them the better heads up, best heads up that I can. Also, if he did actually kill anything... I would... If that were an established pattern. If that was a thing that was happening, like it has been for some of my other clients' dogs, Mm -hmm. they do lose access to the woods in that situation. Um, I would also not feel the least bit guilty for just muzzling him then if that was also going to be his situation. So he's still going to chase, but he's not going to be able to bite. Um, And... I think it's more of an issue of the calculated risk of, like, his safety. Because, honestly, deer are meant to get away. They're going to get they away. They just yeah. motor out of there. And um, we've only had a few, like, handful of situations with other animals. Like uh, a black bear this year. And they motored up trees. Like, they all have kind of a smart escape root mm-hmm. um but then uh, other predators are obviously a concern like that bear was a surprise and a concern for me uh they're so habituated towards people in my area that as soon as i walked over and leashed my dogs so he was sitting in a tree he just started immediately climbing down before he was like, I okay the dogs are unleashed now i'll come back down and go about my business it's kind of <laughs> the same with the deer where you walk you walk in a field trial area 
Yeah. So the deer are actually used to dogs and horses being right. on that property and constantly. And hunting yes. sounds. Yes. All those types of things. Um, so I think it's more of a question of calculated risk for Stark because literally he's the most at risk for getting hurt in that whole situation. Right? So like he runs into a coyote he has a little bit more of a safety risk factor which happening. Which he sure has. Which he has. Um, a little coyote chase incident, not Stark chasing the coyote. <laughs> coyote chasing Stark. And Stark was just in the woods, la la laing around. Um, and so I am just very much the person that's like, these things are going to happen sometimes if I'm allowing him off-leash access the overall quality of his life is so much higher because he has access to these activities and in that in return it makes my quality of life better mm-hmm. so i am okay with uh, i just accept that sometimes you know once out of the three years that he's been on this earth running around in the woods he got chased and then bit on the leg by a coyote um He's had, you know, scratches and abrasions and all sorts of little tiny uh, minor medical concerns because of his activities. And uh, I'm really, like, the biggest risk factor for him is that he's just going to cross the street one day and get hit, get hit on a chase. Mm-hmm. Like, that is actually the most life-threatening mm-hmm. part of this whole thing. And so I'm doing my best to prevent that by only walking him places where I know the road systems around there. I know how far he can go and not and when to avoid all those other places and those other situations. And so sometimes he might get a leash walk in a park if I'm traveling and Mm -hmm. he cannot be off leash. I might put him on a six foot leash with a no pull harness if I have to stop for a half an hour on a road trip that he just happens to be on. Mm-hmm. But 99% of the time, as long as he's getting the other stuff in safe areas, he is so pleased and so lovely because of it. Yeah, he's a nice dog when he gets that kind of exercise. So he, in particular, really needs it. And I think that if I didn't allow this, I would he would not be awfully safe if he wasn't off leash every day does that make sense like his and that's something that is hard for people to swallow but i keep saying it that you're in this vicious cycle if you don't let them off leash of they will be less and less reliable because they're more and more deprived right of something that they really chase novelty of chase novelty of freedom Mm. i don't want freedom to be a novelty for my dogs the reason that your dog bolts away from you or runs out the front door like your pet dog clients, the second that dog is free, they are gone because they're never free and they never have that opportunity. And it's so important that freedom is not a novelty to them. And then, you know, they they're smarter than we think about keeping tabs on where we are oh man and they're staying so good. close to us yeah and finding the car if all else fails if all else fails go to the car um he 
And I do go through sections of time with him when I completely avoid the woods. Also put that out there too. Sections of time where he's only in open space where I have lines of visibility. Um, just because I think sometimes if he gets chasey in the woods and does manage to find an animal, um, I think just the crashing around in the woods is reinforcing in itself. Oh, yeah. And I think he convinces himself a lot that there are animals in front of him just because he's like being ridiculous and like sprinting through all of the underbrush. Um, so I try to like just manage his environment so that he doesn't get a ton of that because it will just amp him up and amp him up and amp him up about the whole thing. Um, versus the fields, he's doing more like sniffing rabbity chasing hunting looking Mm -hmm. and not so much so like a lot of like circling and nose down and tail Mm -hmm. up and stuff like that instead of full on just like running at hypothetically nothing Mm -hmm. (laughs) behavior yeah so he that's him and he is such a lovely pet dog because of it that I it's worth the risk for you it's so worth the risk and I think that's just what everybody has to decide. And if it's not worth the risk for you, then you don't. Um, and then if it is, you take the necessary precautions. The GPS collar, the bell, the known open space areas. And if um, I wasn't going to let him off leash, I think my option would be to walk him in a very manicured setting on a mm-hmm. long line. Like, I think that would be the only manageable alternative so, yeah, walk that's for usually him kind of the intermediate walk that i suggest too for people whose dogs are super chasey super hunt chase e kind of animals is manicured park grass so white like big city park right clearly uh, no deer field. here yeah something Feelings. like that with um, a harness and a long line and just letting them kind of zigzag that um is sometimes how we can start to introduce them to the thought that maybe they won't be restricted all the time and they can um, start to have some more of that freedom. And, you know, I already did an episode on recalls, so if you're interested in training a better recall, you can check that out. But generally speaking, um, off-leash safety is not only about a recall. Um, a recall is a nice thing but if you're overusing it you're going to break it and that's what people generally do because it makes them feel really good it's like that meme that was circulating yeah. of like what makes me feel powerful <laughs> in the world and like it was like when my dog comes when I call him <laughs> so true well the other thing too I think is like we are this is like a humanistic issue that we have mm-hmm. with this trait so, like, if he is genetically predisposed to be hunting because he comes from some line of <laughs> random right. hunting dogs, um, it's just the same as my baby puppy Border Collie having a predisposition to stare and mm-hmm. stalk. To stare and stalk other dogs as they're moving. And that one just doesn't freak us out as much. Yeah, and I think also... You know, obviously, if you wrote me one of these emails, you already have a super hunty, chasey. Yes. 
But you should think about your lifestyle and whether those dogs are the best choice for your lifestyle. One of the reasons Border Collies are a good choice for me is because they genuinely are one of the safer off-leash breeds because they aren't super hunty. They usually aren't. Um, they're usually... It's usually easy to encourage neutral feelings about social things for them because they weren't designed to be overly social. I'm seeing changes in that in a lot of the sport lines, but generally speaking, if they're bred to herd sheep, they're not bred to also visit every single person or every single dog. Versus like your average golden doodle actually is designed to be extremely friendly. Yeah, and if a border collie is having a really hard time with chasing animals, and I would say that's more about running feelings. It's more about they don't get enough running. Yeah, Like when Oni do does it. Run. Oni obviously notices Stark chasing, and he does recall uh, quite well off of that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can still see like some sort of inherent joy about mm-hmm. him just running flat out because he never does on hikes he is a, like a little He's trotting yeah so does Iggy. visiting smells type walker so he's doing that but those couple of minutes where he actually you know <laughs> runs full out are really important to him too yeah and i because i had an email a long time ago from somebody who was considering a Siberian Husky for their pet dog and they emailed me because off-leash hiking had been you know hugely important to them they understand why it's important for the dogs it was understanding it was uh sorry important for this person and they said do I think that they can train a Husky to be that good off-leash because all the mythology around certain breeds of like they can't be recalled etc totally and I said you can 100% train a Husky to recall and be safe off leash but you should also understand it'll be a bigger bigger project than teaching a labrador to do the same thing and so of course you can but you should also always match the dog you get to your lifestyle and if your lifestyle is off leash hiking then you know just like my lifestyle is traveling a lot, and um, so I have to work hard. Border Collies do not do well with change. They don't do well with breaks in routine. Um, and there's a lot of things about hotels and stuff like that that can be really hard on them because they're so hypersensitive to changes in environment. So because I want them and I also want to be able to haul them across the country with me <laughs> in a car... I work really hard on my hotel behaviors and I work really hard on comfort in the car mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. So, and you just have to, you just pick your battles. Right. And the battle I don't want to pick is this extreme hunt drive battle. Yeah. And you didn't really pick it on purpose because he's a mixed breed dog of unknown whatever right from a rescue yeah um but now you have it and you actually deal really well with it you make the most of it you manage it fine um and if it's already your dog i can't i can't 
you know, say enough, like give them as much freedom as you safely can. Right. And safety is always relative and trying to understand, am I scared to unclip this leash right now because of my risk aversion? Right. Or am I scared because there's true danger? Um, when I was in New Zealand, there was a walking trail right by one of the places that I was teaching. And I just went out there to walk every day at lunch. And a lot of the participants would be out there walking their dogs as well. And they were all off leash. And it wasn't even a question of whether they would be off leash or not. And all the dogs that we ran into on the trail were also off leash. And when I mentioned that that would just never happen to me at a workshop in the States ever, they're all really puzzled. And then um, I found out that in New Zealand, the, the citizens are not actually permitted to sue each other for personal injury or accident. Uh, That's not a thing in New Zealand. And it is an enormous thing <laughs> in the United States. Like, it's big business. It's big money. Like, how many billboards do you see that are like, car accident? Call us. blah 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 right? And I think that our risk aversion is built into us, culturally speaking, because of things like that. Whereas in New Zealand, I saw every single person take personal responsibility for their own off-leash dog. And also not think twice about the fact that the dog needed some off-leash time in the middle of the day during a workshop. It was fascinating. I mean, the cultural differences are just... I mean, the cultural differences are vast, but that one... Because even... ...is interesting. I do think that we are so... Like, are we so risk-averse here because of our kind of sue-happy culture? Like, that's a whole other Oprah, pretty much. Well, I think, too, it's just that we are a little bit also more willing to be just, like, kind of aggressive towards each other. Oh, yeah, there's no, yeah. Like, we make bigger problems for ourselves sometimes by being, scre- you know, well, by screaming at other people. everybody else is screwing up. Right. Right? So we just, and yeah, we're pessimists when it comes to, like, dog interactions. And dog approaching. Well, we are. that In the dog, like, especially the dog people, right? Like, the people listening to this podcast. Especially, are, I mean, a lot of pet people, too. Very scared about it. Get really, yeah, they get really nervous. scared. Nervous. Because they're, they're either, they're either the people whose dog is always off leash and always bombarding everybody. Yes. And they're completely clueless. <laughs> yes. Or they're pissed about the fact that. They the can't take a walk are, without yes, getting yes. bombarded. And the thing is, you should be able to take a walk without being bombarded. Totally. That was the other thing, was that when an unknown dog and person came walking down the trail, the seminar participants immediately took tabs on their own dogs and made sure that their dog did not approach that dog. Right. And... Which is why I would be way more uncomfortable with this whole thing if it was Oni, because he would approach another person. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want that happening for a multitude of reasons. Yeah. But I know that Stark is going to go, hi, and just run past them. Right. Just Keep either running. come back or be going after something else. So yeah. I'm really confident that he's not bothering anyone when he is 
Just the deer. I mean, maybe scare someone hears that shriek. <laughs> battle cry. It's pretty alarming. It is. Um, I thought he like flayed himself on a yeah. branch or something when yeah. I heard it. But those times are fewer and fewer and far between now that he wears the bells. Honestly, yeah. the bell is so loud and he... The bell's a good thing. It's great. All right, you guys, let us know what you think over on the Cogdog Radio Facebook page. Thanks for listening to Cogdog Radio. If you have questions or suggestions, shoot them over to cogdogradio at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like the Cogdog Radio Facebook page, and until next time, happy training.